Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfellshaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the country I'm in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? Well, Luke, it's been more than a week since we last spoke. I think it's more like two or three weeks. What have you been up to? Firstly, where are you? So okay, I'm I'm still in Baku. I've now been in Baku for over five weeks, and it's just not really what I expected. Um, I I expected to be here for like two weeks, maybe three weeks, because I was waiting for visas. I knew that process would take a while, and I knew I had to get a ferry. Last week, I got my visas at last, which was really good news. It's never something I take for granted, but it took like four weeks to get them from Uzbekistan and from Kazakhstan. Um, And for the last week, I've been just waiting for the ferry to turn up. It doesn't have a schedule. And literally every day I've been expecting to get a call to say the ferry is here. And so it's been very, very difficult across this whole five weeks to, to plan and to live quite as richly as I would like, because Mm. sort of every Every couple of days for the past five weeks, I've thought that there's a very good chance I need to be in Baku to to meet someone, to uh, hand in some paperwork, to pick up a visa. And it's just taken a lot, lot longer than I expected. And that is just life. That is just the expedition. Um, However, at the same time, it just hasn't been super easy. I know I'm very lucky to be here, but equally when you just it's difficult to even like meet up with someone in the evening because Mm. you just don't know if you're going to be here. And yet every day I have been here. And so at the end of it, you just feel a bit stupid because you're like, so last week, um, maybe five days ago, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow or the next day. I'll just have a farewell dinner tonight. And so I had a really nice gathering of some of the people I met in Baku and I'm still here. So it just feels a bit daft after a while to be like here a week after you had your farewell dinner. So it's been an odd time. So does that mean you're basically spending every day with everything packed, ready to go, and just waiting on tenterhooks? I mean, I spent every day waiting with everything strewn around the apartment where I'm <laughs> <Okay>. staying. <laughs> but, you know, it would take me like an hour to sort of pull it all together. But it is... You know, I, I spent quite a long time very much on tenterhooks, like, okay, I'm you know, I need to be ready. I need to be ready. And that's exhausting. Mm. And so now I'm almost gone to the opposite attitude of like, almost thinking I'm never going to leave. Yeah. And just being like, okay, I'm not even anticipating the ferry. I, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm like, at some point, I really hope I'm going to get a call to say time to get moving, Mm. but almost I'm now kind of living, almost expecting I'm not going to leave. You'll spend the rest of your life in Baku. Have you spent five weeks in one place since you restarted the trip? No, this is the longest period of time I spent in one place. I mean, uh, I spent a month in Istanbul as well, but that was, I took a week out to hike some of the Lycian Way down in the south. Um, And I was much more in control of my time. I wasn't sort of waiting for anything. Whereas here, 
uh yeah it's long as i spent in one place since the start of the ride um and so is what makes it difficult the fact not the fact that you're waiting on place but the fact that you're waiting and you're not in control of the waiting um it's not even it's almost that it's not even that i'm not in control it's that i just don't know how long it's going to be mm. and, and i can't do anything about it like if i'd known that i had five weeks in azerbaijan um five weeks ago I would have said, okay, I'm going to spend a week running around these mountains. I'm going to spend a week exploring these hills. Um, mm. And I'm going to really invest in some friendships because it's going to be worth it. But the difficulty has been like, I um, just over a week ago, I did a long, long cycle, 155 miles down to Lenkaran, longest cycle I've done in probably like And this wasn't on Chris, right? Uh, yeah, good good point. It wasn't, it was on a road bike that the Azri Cycling Federation very kindly lent me. And this was for Newton, who are one of the um part uh, one of the sponsors for the ride. They did a fundraising day uh, mm. and they um sponsored their employees one pound for every mile they cycled or ran or swam or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and all the Bristol to Beijing team, yourself included, you know, jumped in and joined the challenge. And so I cycled and to sort of be there in support. And I cycled down to the South Lankaran. And I just thought I could only spend a day there because mm. um, the next day I had a visa to pick up, which I did actually. But then, you know, I look back now, I'm like, well, what was, what was the rush getting the visa? Yes. You know, I could have spent two or three days there and it was I had the visa up later. really amazing people. Mm. So this ferry, is there only one ferry that crosses the Caspian Sea? No, there's, I don't know, there's probably about eight or nine ferries and about four or five of them are set up for passengers. And it, okay. these aren't tourist ferries. These are yeah. ferries to take freight across. And the, the tourists, you know, more adventurous tourists, they're kind of add-ons. Mm. The whole system is bizarre, to be honest, because um, you that there are whole pages online on blogs on like the Caspian Sea ferries, but there's no schedule. There's absolutely no yeah. schedule. So what you have to do, or what I thought you had to do, is phone up every day, and this is what some of the blogs say, you phone up every day to see if the ferry has arrived. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did, and I did that for four days after I got my visa and then like want the fourth day the guy was like oh well you actually need to buy a ticket first and then um then we'll phone you up so then oh we had this dreadful conversation on the phone because I needed to send him my passport details and he's like okay just give me a scan and I was like okay whatsapp fine and I was trying to give him my number and it was just suddenly like my Russian didn't work at all like I was saying like four four seven five and like i know how to say these words in russian they've always been correct and it just sent, seemed the first time he was just like i don't i just don't understand can you repeat that can you repeat that can you repeat that and i was just like oh my god just like enough already uh this is too stressful your curse never to get this ferry <laughs> yeah that's it's sort of sort of how it feels like but i absolutely i just have to caveat all of this with you know Baku is a wonderful place to be stuck for five weeks. There is so much I can do. Um, mm. So it's, so I'm not, and it, I'm not complaining at all. It's just been difficult. Yes. It's not, I guess, what you expected when you set off. Mm. But I imagine that spending five weeks in Baku, albeit with little trips elsewhere, you've probably got to know the city quite well. Yeah, I have. Um, well, certainly a lot better. And that's been one of the things that, you know, 
every so often you kind of just go and explore a new place or you go two or three streets away from a place that you've been before and you suddenly discover that it's got a totally different feel. And actually that happened um, a couple of days ago when just outside of the sort of high street part of the Mm. city centre, you go away, you move two or three streets away and suddenly it feels like it's got this kind of village feel, like kind of like a kind of more French or Italian, like... um, like there are sort of balconies like big wooden balconies that sort of of stretch out and it just it's quite it's low rise like two floors and it's all the buildings are white and sort of creamy so it sort of feels like you're in a sort of greek or french kind of village and the doors are like painted so there's Mm. like a letterbox painted on it and a door knocker painted on it so it's quite fun uh you know and there's like on other doors there's uh painted on the door there's a scene of people like drinking tea in the courtyard mm. so it's quite a nice characterful place and it's sort of just t- tucked away that I'd never never seen it before so it's really nice to have those surprises. How have your impressions of Baku changed from the first impressions you have you you had when you mm. arrived five weeks ago? Ooh it's a good question um I don't know if they've sort of changed that much I think they've kind of become deeper and more more nuanced because I saw at the beginning that this seemed to be quite a diverse and varied city in terms mm. of the architecture and in terms of the the different places so you know there are these different uh very different parts of the city very modern parts uh very old parts um yeah parts that feel sort of um you know, much more like a, a village in um in Azerbaijan, you know, sort of the traditional tea houses and you just kind of see men there. And Mm. um, so that kind of feel. Um, But then you do sort of, I think you notice like other things as well, like more nuance creeping in or like more very Azeri traits as I would see them. So some of the fun ones that I've seen is that I might have said this before in this podcast, but people here smoke very thin cigarettes. Mm. It's like very funny. Um, And also there aren't that many people walking dogs around, but the 90% of the dogs that you see are these, you know, tiny little fluff bulls. Toy dogs. Pomeranians. Okay, yes. Be, I, think. I know, sort of, I know what they, you mean. They're like the dogs that are clearly in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also interesting to me that there's this beautiful boulevard, which is on the, um, you know, next to the Caspian Sea. And in some countries, particularly in the Middle East, say I spent a lot of time in Lebanon, most people there would sort of be sitting or mm-hmm. like a very slow amble. Yeah. Whereas in Baku, most people seem to walk. I don't see that many people sitting. It's, you know, so it's kind of interesting. There seems to be a bit more of a walking movement mentality, mm-hmm. but it depends who you ask. I was chatting with a friend yesterday who's Azari and she said, nah, like most people will take the bus or the car if they can. So, okay. but it's, it's there at least amongst some parts of the population so you've had five weeks of waiting that means five weeks of not being on the tandem but you Mm. said you did cycle down 150 odd miles down south have you been able to spend much time on the bike in general yeah I've done a bit actually and that's it's been really awesome because the Azuri Cycling Federation lent me a road bike and I spent some time training with I think it was their national junior side um Mm -hmm. 
it might it might have been some seniors in there but i think most of them were on the juniors and so that was really really cool to be able to just join them on some of their their rides i'm going going quite fast in the bunch and that's definitely kept my legs kind of ticking over mm. um but i did my last ride but i've done my last proper ride over a week ago now so it's now beginning to get to the territory where i'll be beginning to lose some bike fitness that's I'm what i was running. wondering is how what sort of a shock do you expect it will be when you get back on the bike well, it depends a bit how long it is before I get on the ferry and get across to Kazakhstan. At this rate now, though, it's going to be quite tough, particularly because I'm very aware that moving onwards, there are some big miles I need to cover um, you know, through Kazakhstan. And then, you know, Uzbekistan is a really long country. It's like mm-hmm. 2000 kilometers. Uh, and very hopefully we're going to be seeing each other out yes. there. You're going to be Fingers coming crossed. out. But my visa actually starts for Uzbekistan today. And that means that every day I'm not there, you know, that's just easing into the amount of time. So mm. I'm really, you so that could put a bit of a time pressure. And I think there could be some really big miles to cover, at least to sort of get to mid Uzbekistan where we'll meet. Yeah. And I'm excited for that challenge, to be honest, because now I spent such a long time off the bike. I kind of, I want to make some distance. It's mm. not what this ride is about, but equally this ride isn't about just being stationary the whole time either. How have you been able to scratch that sort of itch of needing to do exercise whilst you've been stuck in Baku? Oh, I've been running um, <laughs> like every day, basically, uh, which is nice. I love running, um, but I, I wish there was a park here, like which was just softer on the knees. I love, mm. you know, it's nice running by the Caspian Sea. It's beautiful, but it's all on kind of like tiles and that doesn't do much good to my Achilles tendons or my knees so you know I'll be quite happy to um yeah do a bit more on the bike and you know do some sort of trails hopefully or just off-road running in in Central Asia. So there's a lot to look forward to but before we get there first of all this mysterious ferry needs to appear and whisk you across the Caspian Sea. Very much hope that the next time we record this podcast i will be in central asia it's what we've been saying for a little while but Mm -hmm. um fingers crossed i've absolutely loved azerbaijan like it is a very very special country um to spend five weeks here is is a privilege more than a burden Mm. um and it's just the uncertainty over the future just meaning i couldn't get as much out of it i suppose that's the but i don't think i try very hard not to think of it in terms of a missed opportunity because i was making the best decision i could at the time and i had every reasonable expectation that things could were going to happen sooner than they have and that's just life i guess you made the best decisions with the knowledge you had and you know hindsight is a great thing but you didn't have hindsight at the time so there's no point worrying about that exactly exactly i'm i'm pretty pleased of how i spent the time on the whole and you know there are some times that just um i think maybe a lot of people who look at our social media and hear me on this podcast think you know like i'm always happy and i think a lot of the time i'm positive and upbeat mm. but there have definitely been some times over the last month where it's just been difficult to still be as positive as i'd like to be but it's yeah. nice that i've just sort of changed my framing mentally of like what i'm hoping to do and that's that's really helped so i've kind of got stuck into a bit of russian study mm-hmm. which is yeah hopefully going to come in come in useful so okay so hopefully, yes, we will speak to you again on the other side of the Caspian Sea and hear what you've been up to once you've been able to get moving. Yeah, so uh, tune in 
for next week's podcast hopefully to find out if i get seasick or not (laughs) absolutely and that was this week's episode i really hope that you enjoyed it and thanks so much for listening we put a lot of time into the podcast so please do support us by subscribing reviewing and rating and please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye.